How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is Blaine Pardo. We've spoken two times in the past. The first time we talked was back in 2019. It's about a really great true crime book. I highly recommend this book. The title of that book is A Special Kind of Evil. The Colonial Parkway Serial Killings, and he wrote that with his daughter, Victoria. And I'll put the links in the show notes to both of these two interviews. The other one we did, which was uh, June 2021, is the first part of the series. We're going to talk about the second book today. The first part is titled Blue Dawn, The Most Chilling What If in History, The Progressive Overthrow of the United States. That was published June 2021. And then this book was published June 2022. title of that book is... And you can see it on the screen here on YouTube if you're watching, is a most uncivil war. And our timing, we were talking a little bit in the pre-show, our timing was really something else because I wasn't really feeling well a couple weeks ago, so I delayed this. Well, this discussion is happening one day after the strangest American speech ever, ever made in the United States by Joe Biden, which was called the Soul of the Nation speech at the Philadelphia Convention House that included the tolling of the bell, kind of symbolic of the Liberty Bell. And it went full Nazi, dark red, military, him holding his fist up in the air. It was so strange. And then it was like, I think he even mentioned it. I'm the uniter, but half of the country is, uh, is the enemy. And it was really unbelievable. I don't know who wrote He's obviously not writing his own, in my opinion. He's not writing his own speeches. He's being led around. He was actually led out by his wife like he was at an old folks home. Uh, I've had the misfortune of spending a lot of time with, with my parents in the older folks home. And he looked like a really low-functioning person uh, at an old folks home to me. But it ties into kind of these books. They are fictional books, but you can you can see a lot of uh, current events in these books. So that was a long intro. Sorry, Dwayne, uh, Blaine, but... Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me back on. Yeah, the the timing is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, it, I've never seen anything quite like that last night in our country. Um, and it was very interesting as you went through it. Uh, the parallels are kind of downright scary to what I've done with the Blue Dawn series because he really was basically saying half of the country it is an enemy and a threat to democracy and, you know, they're, they're fanatics They're you know, and we've seen even recently with the labeling by the justice department of uh, parents who have gone to school board meetings, labeling them as domestic terrorists. 
it really kind of plays into the what I do with Blue Dawn, which is, you know, the progressives overthrow the government and lock up everybody who doesn't, you know, move and lockstep with their ideology. And uh, this book really just kind of continues that forward with the same set of characters, plus a few new characters get introduced to the mix. And uh, it, it's downright scary. And, and in the book, the, the biggest tipping point is an election. Um, I don't think the 2022 election is going to be a big tipping point necessarily for the country, but I do think the, the election in 2024 is going to be a major tipping point for our country. I think that no matter what way it goes, I think it's going to be uh, another summer of peaceful protests, at least. <laughs> Mostly peaceful, right? Yeah. Right. No, I totally agree. I think 2020 really was a tipping point. He mentioned last night in that speech that he got 81 million votes. Like, I think somebody else put that in there, but he didn't even, he didn't even campaign the last week of everything. And then, like, I knew that something fishy was going on. Like, I, right now, if you're like what they call you an election denier, and this is a theme in your book as well, this book, uh, the second book, um, if you're an election denier, you're in, like, a conspiracy theorist group. So you're over there. But I knew that the fix was in after, uh, was it November 3rd, when they said, just wait. We're not going to call the election. Usually it's called at night or early in the morning. 2016, that's the way it happened. But they just said, wait, and I knew that something fishy was going on. And then all those kind of extra votes came in, which we have the resources and technology to get any election in this entire country done the same day. And that just to have that not happening is a failure. So I knew something was wrong right there. So he didn't get 81 million votes. That's the most. I, I need, sorry. I knew he got I knew the fix was in when the Democrats who had been opposed across the board to mail in voting overnight said we're going to have to have mail-in voting and we're all in agreement this is the way to go and, and i told my wife then i said well it's over because the fact that they've suddenly flipped their position across the board uh to go to mail-in voting I, I said that that just tells me that they figured out a way to play the system and unfortunately we saw that you know i, I think now yeah you know, and i don't think anybody who questions an election is wrong uh, you know, the Democratic Party questioned the 2016 results and are still questioning the 2016 results. Um, you know, so the, the concept that if you if you dare raise your voice and question anything, you're some sort of radical or someone who's dangerous, I think, is it, it's irrational and, and it's also not realistic. There have been shenanigans in every presidential election since the first election of George Washington, which was probably the only pristine election we had. There have always been shenanigans, behind the scenes things, you know, the, the, it's just the nature of politics. So to tell everybody you can't question those results. Yeah. I, to me, that was pure Joe Biden. I think, uh, there's a there's a part of him that that is upset that people won't accept that he won, and for some reason that really really bothers him. So it was it was a very interesting uh, experience. Yeah, very very interesting. And there's been resistance through the Democratic Party to get the proper votes at these states where these votes came in. Georgia's really fishy. Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin. Like, why wouldn't you resist? And if you had, if I won, uh, like, let's say I was in high school and I was running for class president 
and somebody questioned it, I would go back and verify my win. I would go back and say, look, look at how obvious this and then shove it in their face that it was victory instead of like, you know, using dilatory tactics and, you know, using all kinds of things to try to get to the, the bottom of things. I would just show them all the ballots. So well, there's something really wrong in that. That's one of the advantages when you're working on fiction like this, where you're doing alternate history or speculative fiction, that the real life events really, you know, they write the books for you. They, you know, all you have to do is watch the news and you're, they're serving this stuff up literally on a daily basis. We see new twists and turns kind of served up. And it really gives me as an author a, a fertile ground to play in because, you know, there's a lot of contradictions in politics that we all see. And, and it's on both sides, by the way, I, just to be clear. But as you go through these things, they, they really become points of let's talk about taking that twist and carrying it out to its next logical degree. And that's what allows us to kind of play with this type of stuff. And and the Blue Dawn universe is definitely that fertile ground. I'm working right now on book five of the series. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so the last one ended at the uh, Mount Rushmore, right? And this yeah. one kind of carries on and starts kind of, can you talk about uh, how you started off this second book, Almost Uncivil War? Well, you know, it really starts off at the end of Blue Dawn. We have the vice president is sworn in as president and he's been in exile and kind of hiding in plain sight for a long time. He swears in and now it becomes a, a, a struggle for the Numericans, which are the progressives who have taken over the country, to hold on to power. And both sides call for free and fair elections, but it's clear that one side really doesn't want that. And uh, so it becomes a duel over this election and this campaign that takes place. And it becomes a shooting war. It becomes a war in the streets of downtown Chicago, as well as other cities. But I, I tend to focus on what happens in Chicago. And we really see the start of a second American civil war in this book, which gets carried on into the others in the series. So, you know, the first book was more of a thriller, I would say. This book has some, you know, has aspects of a thriller, but you're getting a lot more military action and there's a gradual uptrend in the series towards more and more military action. Right. So it's a little more action. And the, I was looking over Amazon. I hadn't checked into the book for a year and you have really good, great reviews, like almost four and a half stars, five stars for both books. Uh, oh, yeah. So it was very well received, right? Well, I think conservatives are looking for a book that helps them try to see what the world would look like if the progressives got everything they want. And that's really hard. I don't think we do a good job of articulating that. We try to. We try to go, look, this is what they're trying to accomplish. And, you know, we do it on bullet points more than paint the broad picture. And I'm working with a big tapestry here. So I'm able to kind of go, look, this is what this would actually look like. And a lot of it is very much patterned, I think, after what you see with the French Revolution, which is, you know, you see Robespierre and, you know, let's chop off their heads and everything else. But eventually they start turning, the revolutionaries always turn on each other. If they achieve power through force, they always have to have an enemy. And when they run out of enemies, 
they start turning on each other. And, and that's also kind of an underlying theme here. Uh, there's a great false flag attack in this. There's a, and we see what happens with radical revolutionaries as they try to consolidate their power and to hold on to their power. And they'll go to extremes to do that. Um, so it's kind of an interesting parallel that I get to play with with this. And it plays into real events. Even last night's speech, he, he it seemed like whoever wrote that speech, speech was trying to usurp kind of concepts from the right, like election integrity and uh, just some other things. It seemed like he was really trying to address that or put them in a in a poor light. And yeah, yeah, I thought it was weird that he 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 was like, oh, we're the ones that are in favor of law enforcement, and my God, you know, the, the Republicans. They're against law enforcement. They hate the FBI. They hate this. They hate that. And, and, and that's not who I think any of these people are. It's when, when all is said and done, what they hate is an abuse of power. They hate it when anybody usurps authority and control and does things that are perceived of as wrong. And, uh, you know, it was amazing to kind of watch him go, you know, we're, we're this solid party and we're going to hold on to this. And, I, I think to a certain degree, what I got out of that was a lot of fear. I think they're very much afraid of what's coming in 2022. I think they're trying to lay the foundation for charges to be filed against Trump. I think that that was an under, you know, there was a definitely an undertone of, you know, these people are going to rise up and do this. And I'm like, well, they're not going to do that unless you give them a good reason to do that. And, uh, so I, I think there was a lot of fear there. I think there's a big fear for Joe Biden that, you know, if the House and the Senate fall, he's going to be contending with the exact same things that Donald Trump dealt with. There's going to be investigations. There's going to be impeachments. There's going to be hearings. There's going to be things that bog down what's left of his presidency. And if you're Joe Biden, you you don't want that to happen. And I think that's a reality that they're going to be facing. And it's interesting to watch people who are in power, how what links will they go to to seize and control power? Uh, I, it, to me, the iconography was stunning last night. The, the bright red, uh, which it was great because CNN actually toned theirs down to a pink. Um but it was, you know, this bright red, and you had two Marines there standing in the background behind him. Now, the president doesn't travel with Marines. The Marines are protection for the White House, etc. You know, so they were clearly staged. And it was there to show, look, the military is behind me. And, and there were a lot of very subliminal messages, I think, they tried to weave into that uh, bizarre setup. And, you know... I'll tell you, they're they're literally giving me great material for future books. I just <laughs> <laughs> it's writing itself. I thought it was fascinating because they had him kind of come out in a stately manner from the Philadelphia, whatever center, and it was light. And then he gets to the podium, and then the color fully changes. Like they tried to do something dramatic, but I don't. They would made a huge mistake. I mean, in, especially within the context text of what he said in that speech, and just the day before yesterday. He had some either slip of the lip or, or or some kind of mumbling where he said, if if there are I don't know it remember it verbatim offhand, but he said if there are brave Americans who are going to try to take over the government with guns, you're going to need something more than that. And 
that to me is also indic indicative that they're thinking about that. He wouldn't have mumbled that out. Like there are moments, clearly moments of truth with him, especially when he accidentally said we formulated the greatest uh, election fraud team in history or something like that. I can't remember that statement too, but they're well, thinking about that. Well, you know, what's interesting too. They, they tend to ascribe to their opposition, what they do, you know, and that's the nature of politics and it, it occurs on both sides. So, you know, you always demonize the other guy and you accuse him of doing things you're doing, you know, and yeah, we went through the summer of 2020 and it wasn't um, conservatives who were burning cities, rioting, beating police up, throwing things at police, etc. That's not what happened in 2020. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And it was not a singular event like what we saw on January 6th. Uh, which he referred to last night over and over again as an insurrection when not a single person has been charged with insurrection, um, which, you know, was it, to me was like, you know, that's like saying there was a murderer, but there's no body. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't make sense, but, you know, they destroyed cities. They attacked people, they injured people, etc. Now what we, what, happened on the right on January 6th was bad, but it's amazing that they, they completely ignore what they not only endorsed, but financed. And those riots mysteriously all stopped. All the protests stopped, etc., with the election. And, you know, to me, that definitely points to these guys being the brown shirts. And, and in the Blue Dawn series, I refer to them as social enforcement. And it's where Antifa ends up in the series. And they go around metting out social justice. They don't have to follow any of the legal tracks. They are judge, God, and jury. And they, if they decide you've done something wrong, they inflict it on you. And that's what these guys really are. I mean, Antifa, BLM, the radical elements of BLM at least, these guys are the brown shirts. They literally are, are pulling a page out of history. But if you listen to the speech last night, you didn't hear any reference to both sides needing to de-escalate this type of stuff. It was only one side is guilty of this. And um, I, don't, I don't feel that that's a fair representation at all, um, especially after what we all witnessed uh, you know, for an entire summer. Um, it's it's amazing to me, but th that's how the pol political mind works. It's we're guilty of this, so let's blame it on the other guy. Right, that's a classic Alinsky tactic yeah. too. It's all written out. You know, they'd use that all the time, and uh, yeah, and that whole thing. And there's no indicate nobody's been arrested. There's not massive arrest of BLM for burning down middle class property and things like that. No arrest for Antifa, but these Proud Boys get harassed and then. The insur so-called insurrection, which was really probably 
provocateur uh, provocateur event. Those guys are in jail in a kind of gulag where they're not getting their constitutional rights. They're entitled to a speedy trial. And a lot of them, some of them haven't been tried after like 500 days. It's outrageous. Yeah, I, I think that's wrong. But I also understand them holding them. You know, I, I used to work downtown D.C. I live outside D.C. right now. And, you know, and occasionally, I on one occasion, I saw somebody go try to climb the fence at the White House and get taken down. And I got to tell you, if you're going to trespass, you know, even if it's a large scale protest event, if you're going to trespass on federal property like that, and you know you're not supposed to be there, they are going to lock your butt up. You are not going to get locked up and then bailed out and get to go on and tell your story. They, they lock you up. And, I, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, I understand them holding those people. I think it's wrong to hold them for the amount of time that they're holding them. And I think the excuse of we don't have enough prosecutors a lot of these guys are going to get off for exactly what you said. They're going to go, I did not get a speedy trial. I did not, my constitutional rights were violated. Um, you know, and, and again, you can call it whatever you want, it's, but you can't call it an insurrection with any degree of credibility. And we heard that, I think, three times last night, that, that this was an insurrection that took place. And if you support it, you're a fanatic and you're a terror. Well, I don't support it but I understand why it happened. And right. It was about the sketchy election. They were yeah. chanting, stop the steal. And they, the left conveniently leaves that out in all of their erection, insurrection talk, all of these committees and stuff. They just conveniently, you know, leave out these allegations of uh, vote fraud and changes in the system and weird ballots. And yeah. So what can people, what other things can people expect when they get a most uncivil war? Well, what's kind of fun with this book that I that I like doing is when I introduce new characters, they're introduced in the timeline, which is set five plus years in the future from where we are now. And but what I also do, I think it's really kind of cool, is I, I give you these flashbacks where you get the characters kind of fleshed out. So the scene you see on the cover with the Alamo takes place four years earlier, you know, and, and then and really is a different thing to kind of cue up one of those characters. Yeah, what I like about the whole series is it really encompasses the entire nation. So I try to show scenes from everywhere, be it from downtown Chicago, San Antonio, Atlanta. We get a good smattering of the nation in this. And I, and I always want to have some sort of historic iconography on the cover, you know, and so the out, what, what could be more, more patriotic for any American than, a, a, you know, the Alamo. Um, it, so, you know, I always try to capture that and, and make that part of this. And I think that what drives this series is the characters. They're, they're great characters. They're flawed. Uh, they've got problems. They've got issues. Uh, they're put in extraordinary circumstances and they rise to the occasion in many cases. Uh, and what you're really going to get is a glimpse of what a totalitarian progressive regime looks like, how it operates and how it treats people and how it is supported by the people. You know, how do they actually get people to to turn in their neighbors, et cetera, through the use of reparation points and things. 
And, you know, I really just take what's in the news and carry it out to the, the nth degree so that people can really get a feel for it. I think the best compliment I've had with the book is somebody said, every page I turned, I was irritated, pissed off, but I read to the next page. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, that's good, I think. And they said, well, it had nothing to do with your writing. It was that I was experiencing this country under that different, you know, regime. Right. And it drove me nuts. And I said, good, that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to make you think about this. Right. It's not that far off. I mean, your introductory sequence, you have this guy making pizzas and the climate bureau says, hey, you're violating the climate and then goes into your politics aren't right. Like, can you? And that's the way it was in those Eastern Bloc regimes on the Soviet Union. You just had guys everywhere. And that's the way they worked out in Cuba, too. Um you just had a snitch culture and you had a secret police who kept an eye and made sure everybody was ideologically correct. And it's really important, too, because like in Canada, Trudeau set up a Bureau of Climate Change. So they're going to use that. And I just found out today that John Podesta has been appointed to the head of the American version of that or something like that. Something to do with climate change. And he was overseeing three $370 billion, not million. It's hard for me to actually say that. $370 billion for whatever some weird climate regime. So I think you're right on point of including that stuff in the book. Can you expand on that? Yeah, it, I to me, I think it's, uh, it's one of these things that, you know, I attack the Green New Deal. I attack, you know, every aspect that these guys have surfaced. You know, like I said, you, if you carry it out and you look at what they're doing, it is downright scary on every front. And, you know, we're all suffering through this. And that's one of the things that you in the Blue Dawn series is the economy's in absolute shambles. And it's there because of this wanton spending that we see. And we're experiencing that right now. We're at the front end of that. Um you know, the economy is not bouncing back. It, it's not. And we're starting to see the layoffs taking place now. You know, Walmart, Ford, they're all laying people off. A lot of companies have implemented hiring freezes and things along those lines. And, you know, right now it won't be too bad because there are jobs in the economy that are looking to be filled. But those are going to start dwindling quickly. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Because it always comes kind of, you know, three months after you enter the recession that you start seeing the retraction of business. And, uh, you know, this is what we're dealing with. So when I see that John Podesta is doing something like this, I'm like, putting that money into the economy at this point is downright reckless. And if you've, you know, I've taken three economics classes in my life. I didn't, I was by no means an economics expert, but even I know you're going to dump billions of dollars more into an economy that's already in inflation mode, you're going to generate more inflation. It doesn't require an advanced degree to figure that out. Right. I mean, inflation is probably bad, but if you would have believed the speech last night and what Biden said, we're in the greatest economy of our time or whatever, I forgot what he said, but like he just told some whoppers last night. Well, you know, I, I'm going to give him a pass on that, and I'll tell you why. Uh, you know, that didn't infuriate me at all. But as a president, you do you need to put to put on the best possible light that you can. If you come out and go, look, the economy's in the toilet. Oh my God, you know, it, it just you're you're going to make matters worse. So to a certain degree, you're either say nothing about it, or you try to say, look, there are very positive indicators here. I don't know where he is and why people are telling him that um, this is okay, that that this is actually a good thing, um, but it's incredible. Uh, you know, and what we're dealing with is all of these contradictions within that, in the current regime that's in place. The fact that they won't let, you know, a tennis player into this country because he doesn't have his COVID shot, but we're letting tens of thousands of people walk across the border we don't give them shots when they come in. We just bus them wherever they want or fly them wherever they want to go. Uh, you know, when we see things like that, it, it really does drive you a little nuts. And, and the White House press secretary denied it, said nobody's walking across the border. And I'm like, I, I've seen the footage. There, there's tens of thousands of them walking across the border. What are you talking about? But they, they don't they don't appreciate the irony of their positions and they don't care if it's contradictory information. It doesn't bother them in the least. Right. And just to go into kind of the cancel culture and stuff like that, this has kind of happened to you recently. You also have another, you're a long-term writer for the Battletech series. Can you kind of talk about your recent experience? I followed a little bit of it. Sure. Um, yeah, I've been writing for Battletech for 37 years. Um, I got a stalker eh, probably two years ago. This person claimed to be a lesbian nurse who was adopting two children, accused me of being a closet confederate or a neo-confederate. I, I had to look it up. It, it was so stupid. Um, Tried to get my books canceled, um, contacted the publisher and said, Blaine's hidden secret Confederate messages in his books. Um, you know, I've been writing for 37 years, and, uh, you know, I, and I appreciate the fact somebody thinks I'm an evil Lex Luthor-like character, but I assure you I'm not. Um, the publisher reviewed my books, looked at all of these things, said, 
no, that doesn't exist. And when Blue Dawn was announced months before it came out, this person then threatened my life and did it on multiple occasions. Uh, law enforcement got involved, obviously, because I take that seriously. I write true crime with my daughter. When I get threatened, while I'm working on a true crime book, I turn it into the authorities. I turn this into the authorities. It turns out we found out this wasn't a lesbian nurse that was, you know, this was a 39-year-old guy living in his parents' house. He'd been fired from his last job for issuing terroristic threats so and had pled guilty to that in court. So we're dealing with a convicted criminal. Um, my publisher was aware of this, and, and I thought we had a good working relationship. Um, in February, I had my last Battletech novel come out. I was working on seven different pieces for them, some of which were already done. And this person started to complain to the people who own the license of Battletech, which is Fanatics and Tops, the baseball card companies. And Tops contacted my publisher and said, make this go away. And their solution was to cancel all of my contracts going forward and essentially excise me. Um, the publisher assured me he would be letting the fans know that he was going to do this. Uh, it took months for us to work through the payment for the work that I had in flight. And meanwhile, fans are reaching out to me going, so when's the next book coming? When am I going to see this short story you promised a year ago? And I'm waiting for them to finally say something. So once I got paid and it, it was clear that they weren't going to make an announcement, I decided to uh, throw myself on the grenade and, and come out and tell the fan community exactly what happened. Um, I was told that it was for really two reasons. One was um, this feud that I had, and I'm using their words, uh, with my stalker, which I'm like, I'm not feuding with that person. That person's the one stirring the pot here. I, I, you know, I have a restraining order against that person or protective orders in place. So I, I don't stir the pot with that person, but that person clearly was causing problems. And they said, well, some of it's what you post on social media. And, you know, it's interesting because what they did is they took what I would consider almost innocuous posts and labeled them as something extremist. Um, I wrote an article for, for a conservative website saying I don't like the diversity and inclusiveness programs in corporate America. I've experienced them. And they don't have any goals and objectives. They don't actually achieve anything. And it's really just, you know, critical race theory being taught, you know, in corporate America. They labeled that transgender. You know, that was I was a transphobe for even suggesting that we shouldn't have corporate diversity and inclusiveness. Uh, the I posted a picture. Someone posted a picture of Joey Behar on online from The View, and I posted a quote from my grandfather on there. I said, "You could throw that woman in a pond and skim ugly for a week." It's a joke. <laughs> and by the way. If I offended anybody here who thinks Joy Behar is sexy, I really don't care. <laughs> you know, but they labeled that as, see, this is proof that he's misogynistic, wow. uh, et cetera. So all and, that language is coming out. Wow. Yeah, it's it, it's inflammatory. And they were getting all this, by the way, from my stalker. My stalker was the person doing this. So my publisher essentially caved to the person who threatened my life. And... Uh, you know, they, they, they banned me and then didn't tell the fans, so I told the fans. 
you know, it's not easy to do because you have to, you're basically telling the people that harassed you, you got away with it. You got what you wanted. But it has been an interesting study to watch them because what they did is I thought they would almost be quiet and go, hey, we won. Um, what they did was actually start attacking anybody who supported me. And they continued to kind of press that and still do to this day, um, going after anybody that says anything positive about me from the fan community, because they have to kind of validate who they are and what they're doing um, and what they did. They, they, it's not enough that they did it. They want their participation trophy and their pizza dinner you know, for, for doing it. Um, but it's been good from a number of perspectives. A lot of publishers have reached out to me who said, Hey, you'd, if you want to bring your fans over to us, we'll let you write whatever you want, you know? And so we've entered into, I've entered in some discussions with some fantastic publishers and I may be doing stuff with a number of them. Um, you know, so it's not a bad thing. They haven't stopped me from writing, uh, all they did was deny a bunch of my fans who I've been writing for for 37 years the uh, the capability to see the stories that I was working on. You know, all they did was ruin a, a science fiction franchise, uh, you know, and make it a political thing. And they're still doing it. They're still ranting and raving online, and you know, it's amazing to me that that they just can't absorb that and move forward but it's been a good learning experience because it factors into a lot of the stuff i'm doing in blue dawn the whole right. series you know right well that's the, all the inflammatory rhetoric they think it's true too and they want to apply it to you and in my experience i was in corporate america they want you to be that turn label they said for whatever there's a subtextual kind of aggressiveness and uh they want to kind of cancel you and get you out of the way for whatever reason. I've seen it in different environments. I've been falsely accused of some of those things too. They walked me into a room. I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And the girl, the girl had made the whole thing up in her mind through a friend of mine. And it was just like, well, I couldn't even believe it. It took me three days to put all the pieces together of how the whole accusation started. I was just like, this is, this is so crazy. It is, you know, and, and this is what America has become is these people, these social justice warriors, as they like to call themselves, this cancel crowd, the woke mob, think that they're doing something. And what they're doing is censorship at the source. And I told my publisher, I said, look, you might not like what I'm writing as a conservative. And he goes, no, I don't. And then they said, well, but you have people writing and artists who work for you, other artists, other authors, who are putting up stuff that I, as a conservative, find horribly offensive. And I said, so what happens to them? And he goes, well, I'm going to talk to this one guy, Rusty, you know. And I said, so they get a talking to and I lose all my contracts. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You know, this is political. And what you're doing is censoring me at the source. And I didn't put politics in my Battletech books. They're books about giant three-story war robots shooting each other. 
there's not there's no political undertone about the current state of affairs in our country or Trump or anything else. It's just good storytelling. You know, it's fun characters and good stories. Um, but, you know, if I had been writing uh, liberal posts, if I said I was against, you know, the, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, if I had written that I wanted the statues torn down to George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Abe Lincoln, which one of their authors actually has, has posted, if I had said things like that, I would still be writing. So as much as the publisher likes telling people, well, this had nothing to do with politics, it had everything to do with politics. And, um, you know, I don't see myself as a victim in all this. I just saw myself as a person that had a target on my back. But I've been able to turn this around. And like I said, the publishers are coming out of the woodwork asking me to work with them. I've had two Kickstarters reach out to me and say, hey, can you, we want you tied to our project. And I'm taking a look at those things. Um, the opportunities are actually better now and, and, and are more profitable than what I was doing. So Good. I filled that gap, I, you know, and, and this is what happens. And no one ever talks about the fact that the cancel culture is really, in many respects, a horrible and abysmal failure. Because in the end, I'm working with publishers who either don't care about my politics or openly embrace my politics, <laughs> you know. And their jobs are both the same thing. They're like, all our, all we want to do is put out really good content. We're a, a publishing company. It's our job to produce books that people will buy that they will enjoy. And, you know, Defiance Press, who's done the Blue Dawn series, has been fantastic. You know, they, they're, they're a conservative publisher. So, you know, it's terrible to go through. And I will tell you, it, it was not easy and not fun uh, to go through it and to deal with all the nasty notes and stuff that people were sending. Emails, like you had to go back and forth, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah you know, and it, I, I got, I, I think I got two nasty emails and about 110 very positive ones where people are like, hey, I, you know, I read your stuff when I was in high school and loved it. Um most of the stuff was very positive, but, you know, there were some nasty people out there, uh, you know, and I've been accused of being the one who stirred this pot. And I'm like, well, you know, the publisher had a complete opportunity to own this narrative and didn't. And if they're not going to do it, I'm going to tell the truth of what happened. I've got transcripts of the calls. So if they want to go through this, let, let's, let's throw everything down. I'm happy to do it. I got 21 pages from just one of their authors of offensive posts that this person's put up. You know, I, I haven't had to unleash that. I'm, I'm not part of that mob mentality of let's take another author out. But, you know, if they want to get ugly about it, I'm, I'm more than willing to go there. And, you know, I think conservatives have to start taking a stand against this stuff. And, and we do it two ways. We do it with a vote. And we do it with our wallet. That's it. And um, that's the way it changes. And the other thing is that it kind of encapsulates, makes you have to be defensive, go into kind of a parallel economy idea. And it's it's just more division. It's that's not great. It's like it's not. And, and you know, there's a lot of people out there that the whole I found out, and I didn't even know this was going on, but it was a big deal in the comics industry in the last few years. DC Comics is almost out of business because they've made all their characters gay or bisexual and people aren't buying their comics anymore. And there's a whole movement of 
artists, authors, inkers, et cetera, who have moved on to do their own comics lines, they're actually making millions of dollars in some cases doing their comic books and not invoking all of this woke crap that the characters all have to be transgender, gay, whatever. They're just telling really good stories. And I think that's going to be the way that we end up taking down this whole woke movement is not as much a parallel economy, but put the product out there. You look at what's the best movie we've had all year. Top Gun Maverick didn't have any weird woke, you know, you know, sub genre crap stuck into the plot or anything else. There wasn't a, you know, we didn't have unnecessary gay scenes in there just just so that they could check off a box and say, look, we've got gay characters. We didn't know what the characters' sex, sexual preferences were, and we didn't care. It was a good story. And it's the most successful movie of the year, and it's one of the most successful movies now of all time. So that's how you're going to do it. It's not a parallel economy. It's like offer a damned alternative that makes sense. And the public will go to that because I think that this woke group is a very small group, but they're very vocal. But it makes them look like they're bigger than they are. And being big and being loud doesn't make you right. It just makes you obnoxious. Right. And it ties back into this whole environment in these in the books that you write. Most in Civil War, Blue Dawn is this conflict, the cultural conflict culture war, real war. I mean, we're kind of like, you can make the argument that we're in a low level civil war in some ways. I think that, uh, I think that, you, I think that that's uh, worthy argument in my opinion. I, but, I uh, think we are. I think you've hit the nail on the head. We've been, we've been in a, a low kinetic war. You know, there's not a lot of physical violence tied to it, but there's a war going on right now. And we saw it last night. We, we saw a new front being opened up, which is, okay, we're, we're going to be open about this and basically declare tens of millions of Americans as fanatics and threats to democracy. It's not, you know, I, I never thought I would see this in this country. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think we're at a tipping point. The president talked, uh, you know, saying, I think we're at, this is a tipping point. I don't think we're at the tipping point yet. Um, what took down everything during the first civil war was the election of Abraham Lincoln. When Lincoln was elected, the South started seceding and it wasn't for anything that Lincoln did. It was the fact that they were afraid of what he might do as an abolitionist. Well, when you're in a most uncivil war, you start seeing this when you get a fair election, the overreaction becomes the dominant force here and you know, they will do what it takes to hold on to power and they will go to extremes to do it. The election, not necessarily in 2022, but the one in 2024 could be a major tipping point in American history and maybe something that does drive us to more kinetic violence in the streets. You know, much like with Lincoln, imagine if Donald Trump runs and wins what would the reaction on the left be? I, I, you know, it, it was already apoplectic in 2016. 2016 yeah. to 2020 was just, people were going crazy. Bedlam. So yeah, 2024 would be just as bad. So yeah, that, 
yeah. portents and signs are not great. It's not like, uh, but you know, these guys make it easy for a guy like me when I'm writing books of fiction because they serve it up on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, I Biden is living down to all of my expectations as a president. Um, and when you don't have a strong leader in that role, you run into these types of things happening. Right. Yeah, it's uh, not good. So where's, uh, Blaine, where's the best place for people to get if they didn't get the first book or the second book, this one titled A Most Uncivil War? I always say go to Amazon.com. I know some people don't like Amazon, but let's be honest, it's there. It's a force and present. You can, if you don't want to deal with Amazon, you can go to Barnes and Noble. And if they don't have the books in stock, you can order them. Um, but I always tell people, you know, go to Amazon.com. It's the best way to find all the books that I write. And you have your website is your full name, right? Blaineordo.com. Yeah. yeah. And so people can reach you there. Is that the best place to contact you or social media? Oh, social media is great. Get a, you can reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter. I'm more than happy to engage with fans and, and you know, happy to engage with anybody who wants to talk about either politics or talk about writing. Because I think a lot of people now are starting. I, I've seen a real upswing in the last few months of people going, I need to be writing a book at this point. And I, I think we have an obligation as established writers to kind of help people do that. So people can reach out, reach out to you, ask follow-up questions if they're interested. And again, the author's name is Blaine L. Pardo. And the book we talked about today is A Most Uncivil War, just published June 2022. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All right, take care. Stay there. Stay there. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.